Okay, so we've just about covered the five major elements of a story, and that's setting, plot, and characters, and the last two are conflict and resolution. When I wrote the story of my life, I decided at some point during my public school teaching that I wanted to write a children's book. I just loved children's literature and thought, how difficult could it be to write a children's book? Well, little did I know it's very difficult, but God planted the seed in my heart about writing. I'd never, ever entertained the idea of being a writer. Many of my writer friends tell these grand stories about wanting to write since they were wee little toddlers, and some had even penned grandiose poetry and stories before they were double digits in age. But not me. I'd never thought about writing until I was a teacher. So I tried my hand at submitting children's picture books and got rejection after rejection, mostly because I was doing everything wrong. Um, But I'd been bitten by the writing bug, which is a pun. Remember, my husband's an entomologist. Um, But I knew nothing about writing. I had a master's degree in early childhood education, but no training for a writer. I started reading books on writing and attending conferences and reading anything I could get my hands on about the craft of writing. So now, after um, 30 years of being in this business, I'd love to say I've written a children's book, but I haven't. Um, It's still a dream, mind you, but I'm convinced that that was all part of God's plan to get me on this journey of writing for Him. Because even though I don't have a children's picture book under my belt, I've written a host of material that points others toward God. So this conflict of me wanting to write a children's book and not knowing how and and wanting to learn how, that's what got me into it. And um, things just started, you know, falling into my lap. Obviously, I knew that was God. But, um, you know, that was all him. It was all part of his journey for me. He's really blessed me with the opportunity to tell God's stories in the Statesboro Herald, for Guidepost Magazine, and for several other outlets, too. Again, when God writes my story, it's exceedingly abundantly more than I ever dreamed or hoped for. In many ways, I'm glad I haven't had any journalism or writing training or education because that makes it so much easier for me to give God all the credit for my writing opportunities. Despite my weakness, I knew nothing about writing. God used me to tell his stories on the printed page. One of the lesser-known Bible stories that I love involves a left-handed Old Testament guy. And I think part of the reason I like uh, his story is that it reminds me of Bible study time with my kids. Um, they liked snickering at Ehud's story because it has a slight bit of bathroom humor in it, and it's kind of gross and icky in parts, just what my little ones liked to giggle about when they were younger. Judges 3, 12, 12 through 30 tells Ehud's story. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, And because they did this evil, the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power over Israel. Getting the Ammonites and Amalekites to join him, Eglon came came and attacked Israel, and they took possession of the city of Palms. The Israelites were subject to Eglon, king of Moab, for 18 years. Again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord, and he gave them a deliverer, 
Ehud, a left-handed man, the son of Jerah the Benjamite. The Israelites sent him with tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now, Ehud had made a double-edged sword about a cubit long, which he strapped to his right thigh under his clothing. He presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab, who was a very fat man. After Ehud presented the tribute, he sent on their way those who had carried it. But on reaching the stone images near Gilgal, he himself went back to Eglon and said, Your Majesty, I have a secret message for you. The king said to his attendants, Leave us, and they all left. Ehud then approached him while he was sitting alone in the upper room of his palace and said, I have a message from God for you. As the king rose from his seat, Ehud reached with his left hand, drew the sword from his right thigh, and plunged it into the king's belly. Even the handle sunk in after the blade and his bowels discharged. That's when my children like to laugh. Ehud did not pull the sword out, and the fat closed in over it. Then Ehud went out to the porch. He shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. After he had gone, the servants came and found the doors of the upper room locked. They said, he must be relieving himself in the inner room of the palace. And that's when they chuckled again. They waited to the point of embarrassment, but when he did not open the doors of the room, they took a key and unlocked them. There they saw their Lord fallen to the floor dead. While they waited, Ehud got away. He passed by the stone images and escaped to Sirah. When he arrived there, he blew a trumpet in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went down with him from the hills with him leading, with him leading them. Follow me, he ordered, for the Lord has given Moab, your enemy, into your hands. So they followed him down and took possession of the fords of the Jordan that led to Moab. They allowed no one to cross over. At that time, they struck down about 10,000 Moabites, all vigorous and strong, not one escaped. That day, Moab was made subject to Israel, and the land had peace for 80 years." Okay, so our text reads left-handed man, but the literal translation means bound or handicapped as to his right hand. So Ehud was either born with a handicap or he'd suffered uh, an injury in battle. So because of his inability to use his right hand, he strapped his weapon onto his right leg so that he could reach for it with his left hand. So the guards either glanced and saw no weapon where they would have expected it to be, or um, they didn't search his right side, not expecting a weapon there. God has a history of using the unlikely, the weak, the little guy to accomplish great things. He has a reputation for turning our weaknesses into his advantages. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. So God didn't use Ehud despite his disability. He used him because of his disability. No one else could have gotten in, could have slipped in a sword without being caught caught by the guards first. A New Testament character who was trying to avoid guards too was a diminutive slave girl named Rhoda. 
Acts 12 tells her story. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. That night, or the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. Rhoda was a slave girl. She was considered of little importance. Yet God used what some would call a weakness or disability to save Peter's life. Now, granted, the young thing got so excited, she didn't even open the door for him the first time he knocked. But, um, uh, you know, I can just see Peter saying, where's my angel now? You know, the, the angel left him. He said, I can get out of prison, but I can't even get him back to his own house I need to try to get into. Rhoda believed God had answered their prayers, and she went running to the others, interrupted them by saying, he's here, he's here. But instead of believing her, someone said, how dare you interrupt us while we're praying for Peter's release to tell us that Peter's knocking at the door. And someone even told her she was out of her mind. But that sweet young girl persisted, and eventually poor Peter managed to get inside the house to safety. Yes, indeed, when God writes our story, he can use us despite our weaknesses or because of our weaknesses, and it makes for a beautiful masterpiece. Well, that only leaves us one more element of a good story, and that's resolution. And as you know from your literature classes, you know that's the um, the ending, that's how they solve everything, that's where everything is revealed, it's the happy ending, it's the best part. Well, Jesus Christ himself is the resolution to every story, to every conflict. God sent his one and only son to redeem us. He's the main character, the real deal, the starring role. His blood shed on the cross 
Covering the pages of our story is all the assurance we need for a beautiful, best-selling masterpiece for a story of all eternity. When God writes our story, he intends for each of us to be part of his big masterpiece because we're all connected to this one timeline. We're all connected to that single strand, to that very fiber of the world and creation that is Jesus Christ. But two, individually speaking, we're all his handiwork, his masterpiece. We could be one single stitch in the blip of his timeline, and we have a very important purpose for his kingdom. We are beautifully made to do good works for him. And our one small stitch, even though it's a minute part of our crochet blanket for our analogy, it helps hold the entire blanket together. And like Elishama, who took up only a couple of verses in the entire Bible, could change history thousands of years later. Or our spot might be on the timeline might be significantly expansive and take up as much space as Abraham's did in the Bible. When God writes our story, when we allow him to use us for his glory and honor and to fulfill his purpose for our lives, it's always a best-selling masterpiece. We all play a role. We all play a part. We're all vital to this timeline that he has written. When God writes our story, it's beautiful. And the best part about when God authors our story is the ending, eternity in heaven. So whatever your spot on the timeline yields, or in relation to my crochet blanket analogy, whatever stitch you are, whether you're just a small one or a huge one, hold on tight because when God writes your story, it's a beautiful, award-winning, best-selling masterpiece always. Thank you for allowing me to spend this time with you. It's been a real pleasure. And I crocheted, I put, uh, there's a basket back there on the table. When Hurricane Irma, um, you know, knocked off our power by a lantern, I crocheted you all some um, little small chains to remind you just how important you are on God's timeline. And you can use it for a bookmark or stick it on the refrigerator or a bracelet or whatever. But thank you very much. I have enjoyed being here.